What's up, everybody? Hey, we know you guys. Hey, we know you guys, and you guys know us, baby. We are the Music Maniacs Sight After Dark. I'm Dan <laughs> Berg. And I'm Sifa Graffiti. Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We are very excited. We are. About this topic, yes. about this episode that we're about to do. This is literally when we started this podcast, mm-hmm. this is one of the first that we wanted to do, but we wanted to save it. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So with with a lot of pleasure, without for any further ado, uh-huh. I hereby declare that this next podcast shall be on the one, the, the only, only, the legendary, the, legendary, the, the unique... unique the The doors (laughs) and to mark the occasion we have some very special guests with us in the studio today so everybody from los angeles california please welcome (laughs) the doors (laughs) john robbie jim and ray So, if you're watching the video, you already know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Um, when we said that the doors are here, and if you're listening on audio, you might be a little confused. <laughs> so, so allow us to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, our good friend and patron David Cerami, uh blessed us yeah. with this Doors Funko set. Yep. Of Waiting for the Sun album and every single member of the Doors. Yes. And we loved it so much that we had to literally get shelves into the studio just to display it correctly. Absolutely. And in honor of this awesome piece of of fun wall art that we have. Yeah. We decided to finally do this Doors podcast. Yay. So I'm super excited. I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it during the podcast. The Doors are the first band I was ever a fan of. Yeah, and the first song I learned to play on guitar was a Doors song. Ah. Yeah, I taught myself. Ah, <laughs> that's the only way to do it. Yeah. All right, so we are going to get into it. We're going to talk about the motherfucking Doors. Yay. All right, so where do we start? Do we start in LA, or do we start with, like, Jim? Uh, I want to start with Ray for oh, some reason. I okay. just would love to start with Ray Manzarek, the hmm. the like the keyboardist extraordinaire and yes. one of the best rock and roll keyboardists, one of the best keyboardists you ever heard. Like, yeah. Honest to goodness. But this guy, Ray, was going to school for law mm. and then somehow he wasn't paying attention that much. Mm. But he had already been trained in classical piano. And, you know, he decided to take up school as a hobby because he's such a brainiac. <laughs> All right. So he goes to school for law. And then um, he kind of gets tripped up. He doesn't want to do it that much. And then uh, so he decides to change his major to like motion picture and TV drama. But then somewhere in the mix of that, he's like, hey, you know what will be cool? Let me go to the army. You know, so he decides to go to the army and he wants to get a job in the army as a videographer in the Mm. army. And they were like, no, we're going to make you a systems analyst. So he gets. You're gonna analyze systems. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So this guy, this brainiac, gets that job, and then after he's done with his tour in his army, he comes home and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna try school again. So he hops into school and da 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 da. At UCLA. At UC at UCLA. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And he meets somebody there by the name of Jim Morrison. Right. And we'll give a little background on him. So he is a 
crazily legendary figure in rock in rock music. Yes, I mean now. everything about him is yeah. Well, no, he was born a rock legend. That's right. They were like, 19- when's, <laughs> when's this Jim gonna get in a band? Yeah, yeah. No, it's actually really funny because he did not ever sing or write songs before he got involved with the Doors. Not one bit. He was, um, so he was a military brat, as they call it. Mm-hmm. He, his dad was an admiral. Yes. He was real high up. Exactly. Big time. All right. He was actually like a, I believe he was like a commander during the Gulf of uh, Tonkin. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Incident that like led to the Vietnam War being more like escalated. Yes. In, um, we know with the American troops, but that's a whole thing. Well, we know why people want to disassociate while their rocker is going yeah. really, really high. <laughs> hey, man, we don't blame you, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jim didn't really talk about that much. <laughs> but um, so, yeah. So Jim was born in Melbourne, Florida. Yeah. Which is crazy because I used to go there all the time with my family. Mm-hmm. And... Melbourne, Florida, when I was there in like the early 2000s, was a very sleepy beach town. Yeah. I can only imagine what the fuck it was like in 1943. Yeah, less developed and stuff like that. There literally, there was probably like one hospital, one hotel, one restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's still not a lot there to this day. Yeah. It's pretty under underdeveloped for Florida. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But anyway, so Jim was born there. They bounced around. He grew up, uh, he spent some time in Clearwater, Florida, Uh which is where I was born and raised. So shout out to Jim. Mm -hmm. He went to uh, community college there where I also went for a class. (laughs) And then he ended up going to school at Florida State University. Yeah. Where I also went to school. Shout out. So I basically was just uh, unintentionally following Jim all over the state of Florida. Wait, are you Jim Morrison? I... See, this is the thing. Like, I didn't really want to tell people this. Uh, yeah. But I actually am. I am Jim Morrison. I'm the reincarnation of Jim Morrison, I if you guys it. didn't know. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually funny. Um, He was in a, a recruitment film for uh-huh. Florida State University that uh-huh. we were actually watching right before. Yes. <laughs> and he also got arrested for trying to incite a riot at a football game. That's right. Which is so funny because football is like the biggest thing in the city of Tallahassee, Florida. Uh-huh. And of course, him being the rebel that he is, he wanted to fuck with it. Of course, he had to. Yeah. And like I always kind of say, it's something about these army brats. I think they just know. There's like partly nepotism and it's partly like, listen, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Because I dad's in the military. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but Jim was always a voracious reader. Yeah. He basically was reading everything he could fucking get his hands on. Yeah. His sister said he would read a word and then he would write a whole story around that word, which is just, I mean, so great. Like, yeah. It's no no uh, surprise that his mind would mash up with a Ray Manzarek mind. Mm. You know? Right, right. Just a two very analysts. Highly intelligent yes. brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Dissecting one, minds. One was a bit more um, impulsive than the other. Yeah. Impulsive. I said impulsive. That's the name of a podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> With fucking Logan Paul. <laughs> Free promo. <laughs> um, he was a little more impulsive. But anyway. Yeah. It was funny. I, I saw an interview with his dad. He was like, you know, most kids, uh, when they graduate high school, you know, they want like a car. Yeah. They don't ask for uh, the complete works of Frederick Nietzsche. No, they don't. Which is what Jim asked for. Apparently. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, to me, if you need, if you read Nietzsche, like you definitely need some like mushrooms or some peyote after because you are so hardcore 
sectioned into where society's gonna go you feel yeah. like you know everything and you're just like i need a break from being this smart now yeah like, you know well that's the thing jim he just read so much that he really started to see what society kind of was and yeah. kind of rebel against it yeah and it's like you know we'll get into it more it's interesting like the timing of it because you know this was during like when the doors happened it was during like the hippie era and shit yeah and everybody was all kind of like peace and love and blah 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 yeah. and jim was just kind of like fuck that everything's fucked exactly i'm here to tell you why everything's fucked <laughs> you're all a bunch of fucking slaves, slaves. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into that we, will. we don't want to get ahead of ourselves no 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 we want to uh, get over ourselves and under ourselves but never ahead right never ahead okay um so jim ended up after florida state he transferred to ucla yeah. where he was in the film program yes where he met a fellow named ray yep and they in the film program they were friends they weren't like best friends right but they got along yeah because when the school year ended they were just like or when they graduated yeah. actually they were just like all right man see it was great in school they never really thought you know it, it wasn't a friendship like that where they needed to stay in touch right they just went their separate ways and then yeah 40 days later well, it's funny because um, Ray was like, yeah, I'm going to keep, you know, hanging around in California. What are you going to do? He was like, I'm going to move to New York City. <laughs> Jim said that. And um, I, it's funny because nobody really knows what happened that when he went to New York. But it, it seems like he just got spit up and chewed the fuck out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he was just like, I don't want to be here. No. This is too fucking much. It's too much. You don't want summer in the city, really, Jim. You should have came around the fall or the spring. You don't want to come in the height of the summer. You're already out at the pretty beach. Stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Go enjoy the summer out in uh, in L.A. Yeah. But I'm glad that he didn't. Yeah. Because what happened was he went back to L.A. And just by chance, he happened to run into Ray at the beach. Yeah. Venice Beach, I believe. Yes. And... It's funny because Jim was always a poet, mm -hmm. but like we said at the beginning, he was never a musician. No. He never sang. He never wrote songs. Right. But he was always a writer. Yeah. And when he saw Ray again, he basically told Ray, like, hey, like, I've basically been hearing concerts in my head, mm -hmm. and I've been taking notes on these concerts in my head, and I've be been writing th this stuff down. Yeah. And Ray's like, that's pretty cool, man. Like, why don't you sing me something? Yeah. So he sings um, Moonlight Drive. Yeah, a little bit of Moonlight Drive. He sings that. And I'm sure, I mean, just by knowing how the song sounds, I must... Let's like, go to the moon. Oh. And Ray apparently instantly was just like, oh. Yeah. He was like, I like this. It's like, it's smart, but it's kind of like spooky. It's yes. kind of like haunting in a way. Yeah. And and I, go for it. Classical pianists would probably love that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ray hears that and he was just like... I think I could make some good music to go with it. I could, I could write some interesting music to go with this. Right. So that was really the the start of it. Yeah. Of The Doors. Um, Ray was already playing in a band with his brothers. Yes, both brothers. One named Jim. Yes. <laughs> but it they was kind of like they did it on the weekends. Like right. They weren't really like, oh, yeah, we got to do music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's more I mean? like practicing or just keeping, boning up on your skills more right. than anything. Right. So... So they um, they got together with Jim and they started playing and it was really like it was five people at one point it mm -hmm. was like they had the uh, the three Manzarics mm -hmm. they had uh, Jim and they also had a bass player yeah and I think they even got signed to um, Columbia Columbia but Columbia never did anything right. and they dropped them 
And then when they started taking it more seriously, I guess Ray's brothers were like, yeah, like after they got dropped, they're like, I'm just going to go back to my day job. Like, right. I don't really love this shit like that. Yeah. They were like, if anything, if you make it, Ray, we all make it. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. hand up some we're family. Cash. Just, exactly. Hey, just don't, don't forget where you came from. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Ray's going to make it. I'm going to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that version of the band kind of ended and then think what i think ray met john somewhere at like a party right it was a transcendental meditation session for the maharishi yeah <laughs> which is like the most 60s thing i've ever heard me too hey guys you want to go meditate down the block the maharishi's gonna be here you want to go try some tm fuck yeah man okay all right let's go yeah so ray so Ray met up with John there, mm-hmm. and he heard that he was a drummer. He was like, hey, man, you want to start a band? <laughs> or, or sorry, like, I already got something going on. You want to join a band? Yeah. And John's kind of like, I don't know, man. I'm a professional. Like, uh, I'll think about it. Exactly. <laughs> Meaning, and, and meanwhile, John is like a teenager. And yeah. Ray is like, you know, just graduated college, which, you know, when you get older, is not a big difference. But like at that point in your life, you're like, I'm way older than this kid. Right, right. <laughs> Like it's hilarious. So John eventually decides to see what's up with Ray's band, mm-hmm. and he starts getting together with them. And Jim, who was super shy at the time, yeah, like he was like saying that when he first when John first came in, John was saying like he wasn't even like looking at us. Like he was like standing in the corner with this like his creepy words and shit. Like, yeah, like he wasn't you know. He hadn't really fully bloomed into uh, the performer that he would become. Right, right. And John and Robbie Krieger had already been playing together, too, because they were friends. They were yes. about the same age, and they were friends. And I'm not sure if they, if Robbie was at that uh, meditation place either. I think John and Robbie went both together, went to right? the, the Transcendental Meditation Place. And then, yeah, once the three of them were in, John was like, hey, I got a guitar player that would probably work out really well for what we're doing. Yeah. So then Robbie came in. And immediately, there everyone was like, "Yeah, this is perfect." Yeah, gotta be. Because uh, speaking of spooky and dark, I mean, I find that Robbie's chords and you know choices are very like spooky bordello. You know, you feel you're like you're on the border of Texas and Mexico. You don't know where you are. Right. Well, I think it's interesting to say how uh, the style of all of these musicians works comes together so well. Right. Because. Yeah, Robbie plays guitar in a way very different from a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. It's very like. Well, I guess this kind of makes sense because you're talking about the transcendental meditation. It's very Indian influenced, yeah. but also it's like flamenco. Yes. But also it's rock. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of hits no. And there's also a decent amount of dissonance in it. Yeah. The way that he plays. Like yeah. he doesn't always play the prettiest notes. Right, right. Which I'm really. splash some melancholy in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that really adds a lot of depth to the sound. Mm-hmm. And then Ray, obviously, he's classically trained, like we were saying, but he had a way of making these like very, like, gothic sounding kind of riffs yeah. on the organ baroque if you will and you said something we've talked about this because we talk about the doors all the time but you said something that i never really thought about how basically in your mind the doors are the start of like gothic rock yeah i never thought about that until you said that i really feel like they are everything's just so even though they for some reason personality wise seemed that they had more color to their personality but their music is just so gothic yeah yeah and they're not even from areas where you would associate with like anything gothic a gothic scenery right we're talking about florida california some parts of virginia too for jim mm-hmm. as well like you know you don't see that as like you know buildings and dark clouds and stuff right but, but 
They'll sing about it, though. It's not like they're from New York, okay? <laughs> exactly. They're not from here. That's probably what happened when Jim went there. <laughs> it's probably got like, all it's his, too much. his mood. He was like, yeah. I'll take the mood, but I'm getting the <laughs> fuck out of here. I'm going to take the general feeling of a, like, a, like the world's ending, <laughs> and I'm going to bring that back to L.A. with me, and we're going to make some hits. That's right. <laughs> but um, And then also, John, his drumming style was, is really underrated, I feel. Me too. Because he combines so many different... He's got... I mean, like break on through. It starts with like a bossa nova beat, yeah, and then he got some. He has jazz influence, of but then course. he also has some rock influence. Like mm-hmm. it's not. It's very rare that he'll just go. Like he's right. not doing a lot of straightforward beats like that. He's always got some embellishments and not some and things to throw in. Yeah, yeah, and we're kind of like riding the wave here because one of his favorites, one of his idols, is a a, um, a drummer that loved John Coltrane. You know, and then another one of his favorites is Art Blakey, mm. and we covered them on our drumming. Video. On the greatest drummers of all time podcast that we did a few weeks ago. I don't know what it was a while ago, actually. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> but check that out. Check um, and um, yeah, so they all get together in LA and they end up calling themselves the Doors. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I remember when I first discovered The Doors, thinking that was kind of a lame name. Really? For I remember thinking, like, for what this music is, this is a fucking lame name. <laughs> and then I did more research into it, and I found out what the that... I found out what The Doors actually meant. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because this is where it comes from, from everyone that doesn't know. It comes yeah. from Aldous Huxley, mm-hmm. who said in some book, I don't remember what book. The Doors of Perception. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he said in The Doors of Perception that um, once the doors of perception are cleansed, mm-hmm. then people can see the world how it truly is. Yeah. Infinite. Mm-hmm. And that is what they named the band after yeah. and when i found that out i was like this makes sense yeah <laughs> i i always thought they were the cooler of the thes you know besides the beatles and the rolling stones because there were so many other bands the mm-hmm. turtles the this the monkeys the that and i'm just the like birds. these people are crazy the birds yeah you know it was just so much the beach boys so i don't know i, I thought of it as kind of cool but i did see it as part of the 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 area mm-hmm. era and i was yeah, just yeah. like what were all these people thinking <laughs> like yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just remember thinking of it was like, what, like a door? Like, there's doors everywhere. Like, <laughs> I walked into a door to come here. You know what I mean? Like, is that, why is that cool? But, because death is a door and time is a window. Just kidding. That's yeah. from Ghostbusters. I, I'm not smart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We realized this literally today that we're on the same wave as the doors because our logo, which is on Cephas shirt and will also be on the screen here, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's a figure walking into a door with all this light coming out of it. And yeah. we just realized maybe that door is the door of perception. Exactly. So now I have become Ray and John. And like we discussed earlier, <laughs> I, I am, I've been Jim. You know what I mean? That's not news to any of y'all, but it, <laughs> it is what it is, right? So, <laughs> so, okay. Let me actually tell the story real quick. Cause I don't think I've ever told this story in full of how, the Doors are the first band that I was ever a fan of. Okay. And the only reason that I'm really into music at all can completely be traced directly back to The Doors. Mm-hmm. If anything, you could say that The Doors opened my doors in my mind to music in general. Oh, awesome. Because when I was a kid, I never paid attention to music. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm saying up until I was like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. It was always just like background noise to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I never really consciously thought about it. Obviously, music was around, but yeah. if somebody asked me what kind of music I would like, I would just be like, uh, rock and roll? Like, I didn't even know what the fuck it meant, really. Right. One day, 
Um, I was with my family. We were somewhere in Florida that wasn't where we lived. Sanibel. We were in Sanibel Island, Florida. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, Sounds beautiful. <laughs> it is a beautiful place. If you ever have a chance, go to Sanibel, Sanibel slash Captiva Island in Florida. What? I want a tequila sunrise <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think about it now. Not just a little side note. Like we never really went on like vacations. We're like, let's go to fucking this country. Let's go to this country because it would always just be like, let's just drive to a place in Florida where we don't actually live, to where it looks like freaking Asgard, and we could save so much money. <laughs> yeah, which is definitely what they were thinking. That's not what they said to us. Yeah, but it's like we'll just drive two hours south, and it's like we're in a whole new place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> we were in Sanibel, and we were watching TV, and the movie. A movie called Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. came on cable. And if y'all don't know that movie, it's a Vietnam War movie. And it literally starts with like an image of the jungle and the trees. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden, you just hear like, do, 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 And I remember, I remember... Like looking at the trees and hearing that music and just being like entranced. I was just like, what is this? Like, I've never heard anything like this before. And I just couldn't look away. And then, you know, it keeps going, the song keeps building up. And then you hear the voice come in This is the end. And then the trees explode. (laughs) And I was instantly hooked. I was like, holy shit. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. And I said to my dad, who was watching the movie with me, I was like, dad, what is this music? And he was like, they're called The Doors. And I'm like, that sounds kind of lame, but I like it. (laughs) That sounds kind of lame, but, you know, the music is good enough that I don't give a shit. Yeah. So I went home and I went on LimeWire. And I downloaded every single Doors song that I could possibly find. Nice. Until I just wore them all the fuck out. And then I was like, well, what other kind of music can I listen to that's kind of like this? So Mm -hmm. then I spread out to like other kind of like psychedelic rock from there. Yeah. And then from there, I spread out to classic rock and then to punk rock and then from punk rock into hip hop. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've gotten into music. That's like awesome. it all started with the doors like 100% if there were no doors like I probably wouldn't live in New York City like there wouldn't be side after dark like 100% like the line of me being here being a musician I can trace directly back to the doors yeah you know what I mean yeah that's pretty awesome I can trace my uh actual musicianship like playing an instrument back to the doors because um I love her madly had come on again at some point in my life and then when I heard it it's like I knew I heard it before Mm. and it's like it was the second time in my life that I had heard it and I feel like most likely the first time I heard it, I was very, very small and I really liked it, but it triggered something in my mind. And I just knew I wanted to play that song. Right. Like, so that made me go get a guitar that made me bring it in the house that made me know the difference between a left-handed and a right-handed guitar. Like, I didn't even know there was a difference. Like, I, I didn't even know that. And like, once I had the guitar in my hand, I was like, okay, well, I can learn to play this by ear or I can get the book. And I did both. I learned to play it by ear and then I actually learned the tab. And like, that's what made me an actual musician. And I thank the doors for that. Like, that's pretty dope. Like, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the doors for opening the doors of our minds. Yeah. So once they get together, Mm -hmm. um, they start playing some little shitty clubs in L.A. Yeah. Until eventually they get booked as the house band at the Whiskey A Go Go. Right. Which is a legendary club in LA. Yeah. And one of their friends 
who was in another band called Love. Mm-hmm. They were signed to Elektra Records. Right. And he told the president of Elektra, you guys got to go check out this band, The Doors. Yeah. Because what they were doing was absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy what they were doing at the time. Like, it was so... <sighs> how, do, how do I even describe it? It was literally like they were just the music just became a flowing stream mm-hmm. that Jim was hot was flowing in like he became the music became a river that Jim was swimming down yeah right and they were just like imp- it was very improv like they didn't know where the songs were gonna go there would be long instrumental parts there would be long parts where Jim could just like say poetry mm-hmm. and nobody really knew what the fuck was gonna happen on any given night yeah yeah and they were definitely shaking things up like we said they were kind of the anti-flower power movement mm-hmm. you know not that they were you know just spewing words of hate they were still along kind of the same lines of like unification but they were more of like uh upsetting the system type of band or upsetting your eardrums type of band like they don't want you to just come in and just stay yourself you know what i'm saying you have to pass through a doorway and become something else (laughs) they were more of a let's burn it all down (laughs) kind of band to the fucking ground you cannot petition the lord with prayer (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so so they were just doing wild shit and the most wild thing got them fired from the club. Yeah. <laughs> they they played this song called The End. Yeah. And like we said, there was, you know, they made it so there was long parts where Jim could kind of like improvise poetry. Mm-hmm. And he got all fucking Greek on their ass. Yes, he did. And just starts talking about fucking the mother and killing the father and all this shit. <laughs> And it's just nobody ever would expect to see that or hear that in the no, 60s. No, no, no. I'm sure. Even sp- now. Yeah. If we just went to an open mic and somebody was doing, fuck your mother, kill your father. It'd, it'd be like, no. what is up with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't go over well. I'm sure somebody, I'm sure a woman would scream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can bet on that. <laughs> well, it was so funny. We were actually just listening to an interview um, with John and Robbie with Rick Rubin, which you should, you guys should check out if yeah. you're into you know any of these people that we just mentioned. Um, and it was funny. I think, I don't remember if it was John or Robbie, but he was saying that they would play Light My Fire and everybody would be dancing, feeling all good. And then they would close with the end and everybody <laughs> would just kind of slink out like <laughs> like real quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. And um, so that's that's interesting. So that was kind of legendary. They became like, you know, kind of the talk of a town from that performance because yeah. it was like, what is this? Like, this is absolutely insane. Yeah. So now they're signed and they're working on their first album. And we should actually say Light My Fire eventually became a number one song it is the first song that robbie krieger ever wrote ever like the way that it came about is that jim basically challenged the rest of them to write some lyrics right yeah i feel like i mean these four are so like you can draw like parallel lines or lines to each other in terms of like what what impact they have you know jim never sang before you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. it made ray want to start a band robbie never uh, wrote a song before and it goes number one you know what i'm saying right right jim's super analytical ray's super analytical but they're like two sides of the same coin in a way right right and i bet if you ask them even like now in the afterlife or wherever people go and stuff i bet if you ask them i bet ray would say at times he wanted to be a little bit like jim and i Mm. bet 
Jim would say, I wish I could be a little bit more like Ray because they're kind of like the same person in a way. Yeah, they are kind of flip sides of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. They're very similar. And it's like, you kind of have to be for something like this. Because I was thinking about this earlier. Like, imagine you being the band during mm-hmm. that that performance of the end Mm -hmm. and you have no idea where jim's going yeah and he's never done anything like that before right it takes a certain kind of person as the whole band to go through that performance and be like (laughs) this is the thing a lot of people could deal with something like that and be like what the fuck are you doing man yeah like i don't want to be involved with this this is what (laughs) you're doing i don't want anything this is fucking crazy yeah but all of them were just kind of like so we're doing it again tomorrow or you know what i mean like they weren't really dissuaded by that they right. were they were into it they they might not have all been as impulsive and as crazy as jim yeah. but they clearly were on the same page as like we're doing something here yeah you know what i mean because yeah. imagine being what if, imagine being john just on the drums and all of a sudden he's like he gets into that fuck your mother shit yeah like what <laughs> like come on bro play the whiskey here you trying to get us fired exactly exactly and he did and he did. <laughs> so they they record their first album. Yeah. With the very creative title, The Doors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the first single, uh, Break On Through, didn't really break on through to the charts. No, it did not. <laughs> You're on a roll here, Dan. <laughs> I had a lot of coffee today. <laughs> or shall I say Jim? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um... So the second single, like we're saying, Light My Fire, the first song that Robbie Krieger ever wrote in his life. Yeah. Goes to number one in America. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Mm -hmm. And they go to perform it on the Ed Sullivan show. Yay. And the producers are like, hey, hey, guys, you know, we really like the song, but there's this one lyric where you say, like, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Can you say, like girl we couldn't get much better like you know this is like a national program and we don't want people to think that we're you know endorsing drug use if that's okay with you and jim's like well if that's what if that's what it needs to be so they go to play the song and jim says the original lyric it caused quite a stir and people are like, I can't believe he did that. And it's funny because when they made the Doors movie, they made it seem like he did it purposely to be like, fuck right. you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when you watch it, it's like, I feel like he was just into the song. Like, yeah. He might as he may well have just forgotten or just been in. You practice it so many times. Yeah. One way. Right. That's what I was going to say. Sudden, like, if you practice a song a thousand times this, this kind of way and then right before your performance says, oh, could you just do it a little differently? If you're really like into the song, you're. You could easily forget. Yeah. You're talking about one word. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're saying, oh, you got to cut out this whole verse. Oh, exactly. It's just like that one word, maybe, maybe not. But, oh, well. But, you know, that's how it is. And and, and I just also like to say, Ed Sullivan and all the gang there, you got an eight second delay. You could have bleeped it. (laughs) All right. But that's how the history goes. (laughs) And that's how you become a rock and roll legend. You talk about drugs on live TV. That's what you do. Right? And the kids immediately all went out and got drugs. And they all bought the Doors album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that happened. And, you know, this just makes them bigger. I mean, the song's already number one. But now it's like, now they're like kind of like the bad boys of rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. It, especially when you talk about Jim. It's like, not only does he have this crazy stage presence where he's you know channeling this crazy mystical energy Mm -hmm. of the music but like let's be real 
The guy is fucking gorgeous. Very the hot. The guy was a fucking good-looking guy. Meow. You know, it's funny. A lot of people say, like, um, people only bring up looks when, when you talk about, like, women. Let me tell you something here. <laughs> Not on this podcast. We're equal opportunity. We're equal opportunity objectifiers <laughs> on this, <laughs> on this right. podcast. So Jim's hot as fuck, all right? So we're going to say that. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, they would have been successful regardless. Yeah. But him looking the way that he did did not hurt. Yes exactly exactly take that paul and john yeah you ugly motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) go get your teeth fixed oh my god no i'm just kidding because you know people say british people have bad teeth i don't think that's even really true um i just think it's a lot of lack of sun that just makes their teeth a lot different than ours yeah go get more sun yeah um Um, what were were you saying so jim is good looking and the band is starting to skyrocket but with popularity mm. and more money and more accolades brings we like to say a lot of sobriety yes with <laughs> the famous rock stars you know the bigger they get the more money they get the more sober they typically are that's usually how it goes yeah um so jim is uh he's diving into a lot of drugs they were up well first of all they had been doing acid this whole fucking time that's yes. not new right but now he becomes a bit of an alcoholic as well because you need the liquid courage you know jim was a little shy he didn't even really like to talk to people much less be an exhibitionist on stage which he pretty much turned into yeah and sometimes he needed a little of the liquid courage yeah and he and because of the liquid courage he um his alter ego jimbo appeared <laughs> mr mojo <laughs> mr mojo rising <laughs> yeah so they they get into it a more their next album strange days Oh. Also, great album. Does yes. super well. Yeah. Um, they keep going with, uh, I think, Waiting for the Sun is next. Mm-hmm. And they were actually going to do a whole side of that album for um, one of Jim's like epic poems, Celebration of the Lizard. Yeah. Because he is the Lizard King. Mm-hmm. And he can do anything. anything. Uh, but apparently, they just couldn't pull it off mm-hmm. the way they wanted to. Jim was kind of all over the place. Yeah. And John was getting really upset with him because it was really hurting the productivity of the band damn it jim can't you get sane that's how you gotta do it that's back in the day for you <laughs> slap him in the face one time you wake up <laughs> yeah but no jim jim was always there was always just quite an edge to him mm-hmm. and i think that's part of why he's so magnetic yeah as like a person yeah and we should probably mention um you know there's been debate about how what actually happened with like the thing when he was a kid yeah with like the the, the Native Americans in the car, yeah. He said that um, when he was a kid, he their family like drove by like a bunch of, I guess, Native Americans that had gotten in a car accident. And, like a bunch of them had died right mm-hmm. there on the street. Mm-hmm. And it like profoundly affected him. Mm-hmm. And he said he thought that one of their spirits entered his body on yeah. that fucking day. Yeah. Which, I mean, I can't prove, but I who fucking say. knows? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I don't know, you know, it, it could have been it could have been child empathy and just deep sen- hypersensitivity mm-hmm. as well, you know, but I can I can't tell you whether that spirit jumped into you or not. I can't say, but I can say that it definitely affected him as a person. Yeah. And a lot of like the darkness and the edginess of what he did, he kind of attributed to that yeah. one specific incident in his life. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um but yeah, so they put out Waiting. Waiting for the Sun, which is their only number one record, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And 
it's fucking great but you know the things are just getting wild wilder and wilder and wilder which is uh kind of crazy but let's do it let's yeah. get wild i mean so i'm trying to think of exactly the order because at this point jim is drunk in the studio for sure mm-hmm. like there's certain songs on like this album and like all the albums after where you can just hear that you he's can... wasted on these fucking See songs change. come on follow on baby <laughs> like he's clearly drunk but it still sounds great absolutely if anything it adds a lot of personality on it, some of those it really does which it i'm not really condoning does. i'm not telling you to get drunk and record music but don't do it y'all you ain't jim y'all aren't jim you i'm jim exactly <laughs> <laughs> only one jim yo it is funny though when i was a kid when i first listened to them i did i wanted to be jim morrison a lot of and you know what you know it's weird it's like you might be like the third person who has actually said that i've had two people actually feel like they were jim morrison you know (laughs) he's got that thing about him interesting you know and i'd be like you ain't him well it's funny like even back in the day like i grew my hair out to try to look more like like all that shit and then at one point i realized i can't i just i'm I can't be Jim Morrison. Yeah. I just, for some reason, I feel like I can't be this other person that died forty years ago. You just, you just can't. For There's some reason, something about it, you know. But uh, he's just that infectious. That's how. That's how I'm gonna call him. He will infect you with his persona, mm-hmm. that Jim Morrison, and that's what makes him great. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe everybody's just hopping spirits and swapping spirits. You know, maybe maybe he's doling out his spirit from time to time. He's like, what is it? Like 1994? I feel like doling my spirit out in Florida. Well, some could say in a in a strange way that in during some strange days, mm-hmm. um, that by putting your soul into music the way that you do. And by having that music reach so many people, that kind of is spreading your soul. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it is really crazy when you think about it. I mean, I first discovered The Doors in 2006. Mm-hmm. This is so long after this man had died. Yeah. And I've spent so much time listening to his voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that is, in a way, spreading your soul to other people. Yeah, you know? it is. Um there yeah there are moments where i know last year definitely i think it was like around july and stuff like that i just started like playing a lot of doors music and then i went on instagram and they were just like i saw a page just like remembering jim morrison on the day he passed away so Mm. he is kind of infectious he'll stay with you yeah don't turn him on unless you want him to stay with you Yeah, so he's um, enjoying the uh, the whole rock star life. Yes, Gail's pregnant, Judy's pregnant, Brenda's pregnant. <laughs> They're all pregnant. <laughs> Un- unconfirmed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they're doing bigger and bigger things. They're touring around the world. They're putting out more albums. Yeah. And Jim is... Yeah, like you were saying, he's becoming a bit more of an ac- exhibitionist on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because this is a story. I didn't hear about this story until recently when we were doing research on this. And when I started doing research, I was almost, in a second, I was almost cocky about it. I was like, do I really need to do research on the doors? I fucking, <laughs> I know about the doors, okay? This shit ain't new to me. But I did learn some new things. Apparently, um, dur- around this time, they had a big headlining show in New York where they were opening for Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a weird lineup. It is. It is. The doors opening for Simon and Garfield. <laughs> but whatever. That's a whole different story. And apparently the New York crowds were not 
feeling Jim's whole shaman mystical thing. Yeah. They're like, look at this fucking guy. Yeah, you need to come down to earth or be a fake folker. No, I'm just kidding. You're not fake Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> but <laughs> but this shows how real Jim was because even though the crowd was not fucking with him, he was like, I don't care. Right. He's like, I'm. this is what I do. Exactly. If anything, he doubled down after that. Yeah, he had to double down because New York had already pretty much spit him out. So he's probably like, fuck that. I'm yeah. tough now. <laughs> I know what this is. But it's not only that, but it's like in general, it's like after that, he kind of was just like, if I'm not going to, I'm going to capture the crowd somehow. Yeah. If it's not by me just channeling the music, it's going to be by me being absolutely fucking outrageous. Outrageous. And there are actually some great pics of Jim in Central Park and Jim around the Hunter College where he performed at my old school too, you know, that you can find on the internets and interwebs, all of them. According to George Bush Jr., who's all of them, all of the internets, all the internets, you can find them on. Except for that one, you know yeah, about that one. That one. We don't want to talk about that one. You don't want to go on that one. No, no, no. Stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should should we talk about the Miami thing? Should Let's we go talk straight about to this? it. Yeah, go okay. Jim. So this his whole craziness kind of, I guess, peaks at a concert in Miami, which it's only right that the craziest shit would happen in Florida, right? <laughs> of course. Because Jim is a Florida man at heart. Yeah, let's, well, let's just say it. <laughs> let's yeah. just let's all let's all admit it. Okay. <laughs> so he's at a concert in Miami, fucking wasted. Yeah. And he just tears the crowd apart. He says one of our favorite lines <laughs> that he he yells. First of all, he's like, "You're all a bunch of fucking idiots." <laughs> And then this is a quote that we say to each other all the time because it's so funny. You're all a bunch of slaves. <laughs> and the Boo. thing is, is that it's true. He's right. They've got us. We are all. That's all what a this bunch guy of is so fucking deep that even in his drunk, outrageous moments, he's all he's doing is really speaking the truth. Yes. Because he's not wrong. We're all slaves of something. Yes. Okay. You know, I'm a slave to the rhythm, but um. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, so Jim just does that, and then he just gets he's he's like, y'all want to see my dick? <laughs> like, <laughs> or just something like that. And then it's like it's debated if he actually whipped it out. Yes, right, right. That's the thing. You know, I I know he says he did not. He says he didn't. Some people that were there says he did, but also. Well, we'll get into that. Um, I'll, I want to say he he ended up on trial for that, and he said in court that I was too drunk to remember. Yeah, which is not a good defense. No, <laughs> no, no, Jim. So who knows? Some people said that he whipped it out. Some people said that he didn't. Right. Either way, the show ends, and he left. Mm -hmm. Nobody arrested him. No. There were cops there. Nobody did shit. You think he would have done time for it? That's what they were saying, right? He had to come back and do time for that, right? Yeah. Well, Which, this is you know, this is crazy. I said, I always say in my head, that would kill him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, well, it's, we'll, we'll get into the whole thing. Um, but this obviously changed a lot of things in his life because literally he left the show and everything was fine. And then like the next day, the Miami like sheriff was like, we're issuing two warrants for Jim Morrison's arrest. Right. One for um, public pro public intoxication and one for profanity or some shit like that. Maybe some indecency or something. Yeah, indecent exposure maybe. Yeah. So Jim turns himself in. He's like, I'm not going to be a fugitive. Like, mm -hmm. everybody knows that it, I was there. You know, <laughs> like, and I own America. I was on the stage in front of thousands of people. It's <laughs> not like they're going to, I can say, no, I didn't do that. You better shave your head bald and bleach it. Bleach your skin. 
<laughs> yeah, so he goes to court, and like we were saying, in court, he literally said, I'm too drunk to remember if I, if I did whip it out. <laughs> and that's not a good thing to say. No. Why? No. At, at, at what, what fucking lawyer do you have that let you say that? You know? Just plead the fifth, dude. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But anyway. Lawyer's it, obviously down with the courts. You know, yeah, that for real. It's a fucking double agent. Yeah. That lawyer. But he got sentenced to six months. Yeah. He did. I believe he got sentenced. Like, it was like a delayed sentence. So he wasn't like, you going to jail right now. Right. But he was going to do six months. Yeah. But obviously, that never happened. No. We'll get to why. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still making music during this point. Yeah. They put out, um, after um, they made another album called The Soft Parade, mm-hmm. where it was like a lot more horns and it was a lot more like pop it like kind of big band yeah didn't quite get the best reception that people wanted um no not so much but i love a lot of songs on that album particularly the soft parade the song itself i think it's a good album Mm -hmm. i don't think it's exactly what people were looking for them to do yeah but you know that's always you know as an artist you don't want to do the same thing all the time correct but then because of that their next album morrison hotel Mm -hmm. they were like let's go just fucking gritty let's yeah. give some down and dirty blues type shit yeah yeah now it's a good one that's i woke up one. this morning and got myself a beer yeah. yeah as a matter of fact let's talk about the musicianship a little bit let's talk about the right let's talk about these keys let's talk about let's talk about these guitars and drums yeah yeah because these guys are a unit okay Mm -hmm. and they are so synced up to each other you know this might with the exception of ray right this may not be like the craziest technical type of like you know very very crazy type of like super super highly intellectual playing right per se but it's definitely something that's going to open your musical perception a lot you know what i'm saying one day somebody's going to play the keys for you and the next day he's going to rip it on an organ you know what i mean and you don't even need a bass player because the guy at the keys that's the thing right yeah the guy this guy ray was just so talented like he played all the bass lines with his left hand and was doing crazy solos with his right hand i look it's we talk about this a lot like there's no best when it comes to music yeah but he's clearly my favorite keyboardist in rock yeah and you know he invented the uh the classic keyboard look (laughs) that he did which is the sleeves rolled up (laughs) and the tie loosened with the shirt unbuttoned a little bit if you're a keyboardist and that's not your look you're fucking up (laughs) okay so true but yeah no he his keyboard was one of the things when i first heard the doors that really stood out to me the most because mm-hmm. just the way that he played it didn't sound like anybody else and right. just the notes that he would hit were so interesting yeah and that combined with the notes that robbie was hitting yeah it just does not sound like anything i've ever heard before or since yeah yeah um they they give me that same feeling sometimes like we were just at uh, alice in chains and uh, nirvana podcast and we talk about alice in chains and their harmonies and stuff like that and how i can like feel them like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like inside or at the back of my head or stuff like that what Robbie and um, Ray, the way they play, you know, like, let's just think about like the way Ray does like the bass chord on like Indian Summer in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like you feel like you're about to walk 
through a door or through right. on a pathway like you do. And then it's like with Robbie, it's like the way sometimes he pulls on his strings and his chords, that kind of like Baroque, Spanish, like really down dry south kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. You feel like you just walked through a door in a right. way, like something just played behind you and you have to stop and be like, what was that? You know, hmm. it's like it's so strange what they do to the, the human perception. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's why their their name is so accurate for what mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so you have all that. You have John's really tasteful drumming. Yes. And then you have Jim channeling all of this. And that's what made him such a great frontman mm-hmm. is that the music really just, it just flew through him. Yeah. Like what, there was a quote from, I think it was Robbie, right? Okay. He was saying, um, yeah, like I could strike a chord and then I could see Jim do something to the chord. Like I could literally see what I was playing through Jim. So awesome. You know what I mean? And then Jim's stage presence was unlike pretty much anyone else Mm -hmm. because he wasn't really, well, he was energetic. It was so up and down with him. Mm -hmm. He could be the most energetic, just jumping around, doing all this shit. But then half the other time he could just be like, yeah, just like in a trance. Like he was really like in a trance by this music that he's just, you know, projecting outwards. So then you become in a trance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's part of like the, the, mystical aspect of what they did mm-hmm. was how he was able to just channel all of that yeah and that's why they kind of call him like a shaman you yeah. know what i mean yeah, like yeah, a modern yeah. day shaman yeah yeah and a lot of people that are up on a stage wielding a microphone are you know what i mean they hypnotize us with their voice their mm-hmm. sound the look in their eyes you know stop it no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's funny like um i think jim's dad said in an interview that i don't think his talent was vocal necessarily it mm-hmm. was just it was entertaining it was yeah. in grabbing the attention yeah because even like i'll watch interviews with him i just can't look away from the fucking guy yeah you know what i mean yeah absolutely absolutely he's very in- encapsulating i don't know and it's funny like the difference between, you know he was so wild on stage but then when he's just talking, he's just mm-hmm. very chill, and it just it seemed he was very level. Yeah. And he wasn't going to be pushed around by whatever energies you were putting off. Right. Because his energy was a certain way, and that's just what it was. You got to give him that, definitely. And what a visionary, right? Didn't he say something like, I foresee somebody just standing with a microphone and using just like machines as their musical you know tool i mean he literally predicted electronic music in like 1969 or 1970 (laughs) yeah yeah before stevie was doing it by himself (laughs) exactly he's like i predict two turntables and a a microphone (laughs) one hot mc on the set <laughs> yeah it's but no he really did he and he definitely predicted like all of like electronic dance music and shit like he literally said all of that yeah it is kind of crazy yeah yeah but you know that's no that's a whole other story yeah so so the musicianship of the doors let's get into some stories so what's happening uh everything's getting wilder everything's getting crazier it's kind of coming to the end of the doors in a this way. is the end yeah yeah all pretty the sad end of the doors yeah um jim goes to paris to evade doing time pretty well much. i want to say i want to say first before okay. we get to that so okay. so they recorded their last album with jim la woman yes while the 
cloud of the trial was like all over him basically yeah. and he does his book as well and he did a book he did a book of poetry mm-hmm. he also did just like a, they had a recording session on his 27th birthday which would be his last birthday yeah of just like him recording poetry that yeah. he had written that would they would later put music to yeah which is really cool yeah, yeah yeah i like a lot of it yeah i really like that um but yeah so they so la women was the last album they put out with jim and it's so crazy. There's so Riders on the Storm is on that album. Yes. And the very last thing he ever recorded was on that album. Mm-hmm. That song, sorry. And it was the Whisper track. Mm-hmm. Riders on the Storm. Yeah. That's the last thing that he ever recorded. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really insane. Yeah. I personally, I'm just throwing this in there. I don't think Riders of the Storm needs a rain track. But who the fuck am I? Do, 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 do. Yeah, I, I like. Oh, I of course I love all that. I love the keys, but the the actual rain in the background. It's like we get it. It's a storm. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Into though? this house we're born. <laughs> Into this world we're thrown. <laughs> yeah, but um. So after they finish up recording that album, he goes to Paris, and he never comes back. Right. Because he dies under mysterious circumstances. Mm -hmm. Pam did it. No, I'm just kidding. He went with his girlfriend, Pamela. And so apparently one day he was coming home from like a club and he was just like, "Ah, I got a weird like pain in my chest. Mm -hmm. And then he just never woke up after that. Right. And apparently the only people that ever saw his body was Pamela and the doctor that signed the death certificate. There was no autopsy Mm -hmm. and nobody has ever said why. They don't even try to make something up. Like, it's just, it's just, yeah, there was not an autopsy. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because Jim Morrison is alive and well, living in San Diego of all places. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, some people say, um, you know, because of the way that he was expanding people's minds, that maybe some people wanted to take him out. Mm-hmm. Some people say that maybe he wanted to fake his own death because he was about to go to fucking jail. Mm-hmm. And he was sick of being famous because, again, he was, he's really a shy guy. Mm-hmm. That's not his natural state of being is to be hugely known, internationally famous person. Correct. So maybe he would try to fake his death. I don't know. Back mm-hmm. in the day, you could get away with something like that. Yeah. You can't fake your death now. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> Too much facial, too much CCTV. Yeah, they, it would just never happen, but yeah. who knows? Nobody really knows what happened that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, all we really know is that Jim died. Yes. The character Jim died. <laughs> From the, the James ashes. Douglas Morrison is still here with... <laughs> Somewhere. He's living in a house with Elvis. Yep. And um, every now and then, Tupac stops by. That's right. <laughs> in Cuba. Somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Unfortunately, Jim passed away, but, you know, honestly, I mean, that's part of why he's so legendary. Yeah. It, it's, that's always a sad thing, right? Because, like, when you die young, it just, like, people only remember you at your peak. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and just how young you were. It's just crazy, you know? So, and then, okay, so then, you know, Ray and John, I think, or Ray and Robbie, they try to look for another lead singer. You Did know. they even try, or were they were like, we're just going to do it, the three of us? No, they tried to look for another lead singer um, in Paris. I, I, they tried to look for another lead singer really briefly, and then that, that didn't pan out. And then, and then the Doors were performing, you mm. know, just as the band and stuff like that. And uh, then they started suing each other for things. Well, <laughs> that's true. But so they actually did put out two albums 
as the doors. Yeah. Without Jim, with the three of them. The first one was called Other Voices, which makes sense. Yes. It was mostly Ray singing, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Ray can sing. Yeah. Yeah. Ray has a good voice, and they, you know, they can write, they wrote decent rock songs, but uh-huh. clearly they were, it's not the same without Jim. No, definitely not the same without Jim. <laughs> clearly not the same without Jim. Yeah, the, clearly it just wasn't the same without Jim. And it's just one of those things. I mean, there's a reason he's so legendary to this day. I mean, he's he he was a once in a generation kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. Not only at talent as a, you know, as a rock musician, but just as a person. Like the mm-hmm. way that he thought. Like he clearly was so fucking smart. Mm-hmm. You know? And just like we said before, like he was such a voracious reader. Yeah. That he just knew so much. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's not like somebody with that kind of charisma. It does not come around often. Right, right. And it's unfortunate, but yeah. And, you know, when somebody does come around like that, exactly what happened happens. You know what I'm saying? You you suck the life out of that person. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. The person's life gets sucked out of them because they're such a rare breed. They're not the sun, you know. Back up, people. Okay? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but it's just so crazy because... You know, I think about this all the time, like, The Doors started in 1965, mm-hmm. so this is decades ago, and there is nobody that sounds like them to this day. Like, I've never, you know, you listen to music sometimes, you're like, oh, this bang, you know, this this part, this sounds a little Zeppelin-y, this sounds like a little Black Sabbath-y, like, you can kind of hear the influences. Mm-hmm. There, I've never been listening to a newer band and be like, oh, this kind of sounds like The Doors. Right. It's never happened once. The closest thing was probably, we talked about uh, Joy Division, just yeah. kind of like the overall vibe, maybe, right. of like the kind of the darkness of the songs. Yeah. But as far as what the music actually sounds like, it's nothing like that. No, 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 no. Um, way more technical and uh, way more, uh, yeah, way more technical in the doors. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Where with Joy Division, you could tell they're coming from like a punk era where it's just like a couple of basic chords right. and a vibe and right. that's it. And that a, lot, a lot of that has to do probably with Ray being classically trained. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because they were saying, like, you know, Jim wasn't a songwriter. He didn't know any instruments, so he didn't know how to write music. Right. So a lot of the time, he would just sing something out to Ray, and Ray would be like, okay, that's an F sharp. That's a, okay, so maybe I'll do this chord. Mm-hmm. Like, Ray kind of made Jim's writings palatable as a song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. And it kind of goes with what you were saying before. Like, they are kind of just two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like, they fit together like that. A lot of like those two. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, they all have like their different parallels. I mean, you know, Robbie and uh, John knew each other and they were kids, but like you can you can match one. You could play you could play doors with, you know, musical doors. Who wants to play musical doors? Let's match one personality to the other and see if they click. Yeah, but they're just so legendary. Like, Mm -hmm. I just love them. Me too. I just love all of them. I love when I hear John and, and Robbie talk to this day. I love I love hearing older interviews from Ray. Uh, Ray passed away a few years ago, unfortunately, mm-hmm. so he's no longer with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just John and Robbie at this point. Mm-hmm. And we were literally, like we said before, go check them out talking to Rick Rubin. That was from like, that's something like a, a few weeks ago. It's yeah. pretty recent. And yeah. it's cool to hear them talk and just like, you know, hear their perspectives on things. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shout out to all the people who were young adults or even, you know, already, you know, middle-aged adults in the 60s who saw that movement begin 
and who made it to the turn of the century and past the turn of the century. Mm. Like shout out to those guys. Like they influence a lot of our music, a lot of our cultures. There's times you look back at them and it's like, man, like we can't even be anything like them right now, you know? So shout out to all those people. And I know that they kind of feel like that too. It's like, Whoa, I saw the year 2000. It's like, shit. I saw Martin Luther King die. Like, you know what I'm saying? I saw JFK get shot. Like it's crazy. And here we are in 2022 talking to Rick Rubin on a podcast. You know (laughs) what I mean? It's just insane. It's just insane. And the lesions of people that came after them that wish they could do anything like them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to y'all. You did not fail. Yeah. And with them specifically, it's just like there really was, they really did just capture some kind of magic. Mm -hmm. Like whatever it was, like whatever you want to call it, the spirits, the muses, like they clearly were flowing through all of them together as a group. Yeah. And it's like, it wouldn't have been this, if you would change even one member out, it would not have been the same. No way. And that's why, you know, when they tried to continue on with Jim, it was kind of like, it's just not the same. Like, it's not saying that they're bad. Yeah. It's just when you take away that element of the recipe, it's just not going to turn out the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, especially if you're, you've always been The Doors, right? It's never been Jim Morrison and The Doors. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, that reminds me. Something else that was always really cool is that I like about them that we've talked about in general that's always a cool thing for bands to do is that they always credited the songs to The Doors. Yeah. They didn't have, oh, this was written by Jim Morrison. This was, Because I feel like that causes a lot of problems in bands. Yeah. So they were kind of ahead of the curve, I think, by doing that. Because mm-hmm. like, they're like, look, we're all doing this together. Like, we're a band. Like, there's a reason we're a band and we're not solo artists. Like, yeah. we're doing this together. So if we're writing a song, the song is written by the doors. Right. Period. Right. You know what I mean? And I always Correct. thought that was great. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. What solo work do you think Jim would have done, if any? I think it would have been just the poetry and maybe some I think filming, it would have been poetry. right? Yeah, yeah, some movies and stuff. Clearly, Actually, that's him behind the camera, yeah. not in front of it. Clearly, his heart was really in the poetry. Like yeah. that's really like his natural state. Yeah. And then it just so happened that you know he met Ray, who was able to make this great music to his words, and yeah. then they got John and Robbie into it. Yeah. But yeah, like we said, I mean, he didn't even think of himself as a musician at all. He just yeah. one day he just like heard like music in his head. Like, I wonder what that, like, I wonder what sparked that. Like, maybe he just did acid one day and the next day he woke up and he was just hearing shit in his head that Probably. he hadn't heard before. Probably. You know what I mean? That makes sense. So that's, I mean, that's the story of The Doors. I yeah. mean, they're, they're still a completely legendary band, completely unique. Nobody sounds like them. Nobody ever will sound like them. Exactly. They hold such a, a special place in music history. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, if you, there's no, I want to hear a band that sounds like The Doors. You just have to go listen to the doors. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. They've all done work um, after. I heard that uh, John Densmore is a, is a dancer, is a good dancer as well. I read that. I would like to see these videos. But if a drummer drums, you know, you're always moving your feet to the yeah. beat. I could see you, you know, catching a two-step and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's about it that I've heard, really. Somebody wrote, I, th- I don't know if it was Ray or Robbie, so I can't really say it, but somebody wrote for like a punk band and wrote with, on four albums for a punk band. It might be Ray. And one of those albums actually went number one. Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know about that. Tell us um, in the comments if you know about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, shout out to The Doors. Shout out to all of them. Shout out to Jim. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Ray. Yep. Shout, shout out, out to, to Robbie. <laughs> shout out to John. <laughs> I'm like staring forward. I'm like, there's a pause. <laughs> and shout out to all of you for watching. Woo-hoo. This has been the Music Maniacs podcast with Side After Dark. 
If you're here at this point in the episode, we love you. We appreciate you. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash musicmaniacs. Donate whatever you want. You'll be listed as a producer in the credits of the podcast, and you'll help us to continue doing this and hopefully to make more episodes as, you know, things keep going. So and that's pretty much it. Yep. We're Side After Dark. We are. And we'll see you next time. See ya. I'd give anything to not hear you whine and cry about